That's the only way, only way to come to the Father. The only access point to get into the very presence of God, to get the ear of God, is through the blood of his Son, the blood of our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus gives us freedom, and the blood of Jesus has opened up a path of access. And the blood of Jesus prevents all the attempts of the enemy, all the attempts of the devil to dominate you, or to dominate your finances, or to dominate your mind, or to dominate your relationships. It's the blood of Jesus. You apply the blood of Jesus over every part of your life. Somebody said, what does that mean to plead the blood? Well, what that means is you come by what Jesus did in his death, his burial, his resurrection, the outpouring of his very life blood is what you come with. Don't go in there saying, I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. You go in there saying, look at what Jesus did. He's the one that brought me. He's the one that brought me in. It's by his blood. By the sprinkling of his blood, which speaks better things than that of Abel. You may be seated, and the children may line up at the door. It's the blood of Jesus. That's why we're here, is because of the blood of Jesus. That's why we have hope, because of the blood of Jesus. That's why there is a name above every name, because that name is the name of the man, the God-man that poured out his life through his own precious blood, the blood of Jesus. Wherever the blood goes, the Holy Ghost flows. In other words, you apply the blood of Jesus over your life. You apply the blood of Jesus over your finances. You apply the blood of Jesus over your relationships. And then you can expect the Spirit of God himself to get involved in those relationships, those finances, in your body, in your mind. The blood of Jesus. Do I need to change something? Oh. Everybody's looking at me going like this. I don't know what that means. Praise the Lord. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what sets you free. The blood of Jesus prevents deception and aborts or stops or makes, uh, brings a secession to any attack of the enemy to try to deceive you, to try to twist the right picture in front of you and make it look like the wrong picture to cause you to do the wrong thing, to cause you to make the wrong decision. It's the blood of Jesus that prevents deception and aborts every attempt of the enemy to deceive you. The blood of Jesus is so full of life and so full of power, it perfects everything in you according to the perfect will of God every day and in every single way. You ought to confess that over yourself every day. That's from, uh, you know, Grace Ryerson Roos wrote a little mini book, probably like 19 pages, and it's only like a quarter of a size of a page in my Bible. And um, she's got a, a lot of good confessions about the power of the blood and the effect of the blood of Jesus. The devil doesn't like it when you talk about the blood of Jesus. So you know what you do? You just say, I plead the blood of Jesus. Uh, if you don't like me talking about the blood of Jesus, then I'm going to talk about it more. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the blood. I'm going to sing about it. <laughs> I will let no, never let nobody ever talk me out of it. Nothing but the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over my wife and kids. I have a friend. He raps. I'm trying, but I'm not. Yes. <laughs> Give me an A for effort or something. Okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> e for, I know. We are studying about being in Christ, engrafted into Christ. 
our connection with Christ, our connection with life itself. And we're going to uh, start out with 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 17, and then we're going to go over to Galatians 2.20 and kind of camp in Galatians 2.20 today, I believe. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man or woman, any mankind, any human being be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And let's just read the rest through the rest of the chapter. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus. Wow. <laughs> and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Mm. To, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. I like Amplified says that God was personally present in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto favor with himself. I took a breath at the wrong time. <gasps> Not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. I have never seen it like this before. This is awesome. <laughs> I wasn't even going to read this part. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. Now, I am actually going to read that uh, in the Amplified Translation. Let me add it here because I didn't have that in here. Amplified. Because I really like the Amplified of this so much. Isn't it a blessing? Like, you know, back in the day, if I was ministering, I had to say, does somebody, is anybody carrying the Amplified Translation? As long as all the computer stuff works, it'll just show up. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation. A new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, in other words, these aren't from yourself. This isn't like you made a decision and you, you, you fixed yourself upright and you made yourself disciplined enough because you finally decided. And it's actually, as we said in the faith series, uh, act, an act of faith, and probably the greatest act of faith is believing on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that God raised him from the dead. But that very act of faith or any other act of faith that you're going to uh, perform by putting your trust in God by to put your trust in God by its very definition means that you have to release trust in yourself. It is a complete turning away from self-will and from what the world can bring you to God himself. The old previous moral and spiritual condition passed away. Behold, all is fresh and new. But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ, listen to this, 
reconciled us to himself. How did he do that? Through Jesus Christ. He reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. I think I'm reading the new Amplified, not the traditional Amplified, but that's okay. It'll suffice. You know, I don't feel like I'm really that old. But sometimes I will say, as I mature, it's like, why do they come up with this new thing? Like, you know, this, is, this was pretty good. I know, you know, you feel like, I sound old. I can't be old. Uh, they say, like, no matter your age, you, 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 you don't think of yourself as that old. You just look in the mirror and say, well, where did that body come from? Or how do I look like that? All right, verse 19, where I want to get with Amplified. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. I love God personally present in Christ. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of uh, reconciliation, of restoration to favor. So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us. We, as Christ's personal representatives, you realize If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you are the personal representative of Christ in the earth. And by how you represent him, people are going to look and see. Now what you need to remind people is, I am not Christ. I am a Christian. I am not perfect. And if I let him dominate me and let his life dominate me, you're going to like what you see. But when I get in the flesh and just do what I want to do, That is not a representation of Christ. (laughs) We as Christ's personal representatives beg you for his sake. Listen to this. Listen to the heart of God. We're begging you for his sake to lay hold on the divine favor now offered to you and be reconciled to God. For the God's, (laughs) this will be fun, for God's sake, be reconciled to God. Do you remember over in Isaiah where it says, I even high am he that blotteth out thy transgressions, and I will not remember your sins? Put me in remembrance, declare that you may be justified. You know why it says to do that? Not even for your own sake, for God's sake. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how much God loves every human being? That his plan was never that mankind would be separated from him and from his love and from his life. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why the blood of Jesus was poured out to bring us close. Because it's the blood that actually gives us access and brings us near. It's by the blood of Jesus. And that blood was shed for the worst person that you can think of that's alive or has been alive to reconcile them unto God. 
Now, the reason I haven't even finished. <laughs> Verse 21. For our sake, he made Christ virtually, well, I don't see, I don't like this part, anyhow. He made Christ to be sin, who knew no sin, that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God. Now, the reason I can say I don't like it and skip that word is because it's not in the original language. Because <laughs> it says he made, uh, I'll have to explain it now. He Amplified said he made Christ virtually to be sin. He made him to be sin. If you look up the original, Christ became sin for us. Him that knew no sin was made to be sin itself. Not for himself, but for us. Um, and then I'll continue. What we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. But he said to be reconciled to God and tell the world that they are reconciled to God. Do you, anybody uh, want to like shout out the term reconciliation, what type of a term that is from what uh, line of work? Yes. Reconciliation is an accounting term. And when people used to have physical checkbooks, you should reconcile your checking account. And you can still do it even without physical. And you still should do it. But you reconcile. What does that mean? What are you doing when you reconcile? Settle up. What if it's one cent off? What do you do? What should you do if you're a responsible person? If you're actually going to reconcile and it's one cent off, you have to go find that penny. Even though you could care less about that penny. But you have to find that penny. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all the things have become new, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Verse 19, God was personally present in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 20, that you be, I'm begging you, in the place of Christ, be reconciled to God. Do you know, like every little thing in your life that you have done that was wrong, everything that you've done in your life that you didn't do that you were supposed to do that was right, every little thing, I don't care how small the detail is, I don't care if it's a penny, you have been reconciled to Christ, to God through Christ Jesus. It's an accounting term. In other words, God himself took account of every little thing that you did or that you will ever do. And he saw that the blood of Jesus was enough to reconcile the smallest to the largest. That the blood of Jesus would actually affect every part of your life. So I don't care how small you think it is or how big you think it is, you have been reconciled. Imagine, imagine. Some people are amazed at the detail of my thinking mind. Like, how could you think of all those little things? I would never think of all of that. Imagine the reconciling mind of God. That there is not one thing that you have ever done or that you will ever do that shocks him or that surprises him or that is too much for him. Every point 
of failure, he has already conquered. Every point of failure in your life, he has already expunged and reconciled it and declared it's canceled. It's taken care of. I mean, I think one of the worst things in the world about going to hell, besides the the torment and being separated from God, which is pretty bad, (laughs) is the fact that the price was already paid for you not to be there. Everything, your sins were already canceled. Your sins were already taken care of. Your mistakes were already just annihilated. Not only your mistakes and your sins, but all of your self-righteousness. Maybe I shouldn't say it that way. All of the things that you have tried to do to make God like you, to make God favor you so that he'll do something for you or so you can have what he says he's promised, all of your trying to work things out yourself, make things happen yourself, that's all been reconciled. That's all been taken care of. That you don't have to try to be somebody in yourself, but you just be who you have been made to be in Christ Jesus. Christianity is not trying to become someone. Christianity is living the life of someone you have become. (laughs) (laughs) I like that song that they sing a lot of times for altar calls, Come Just As You Are. Because the devil will tell people, and I think human nature probably also tells people, well, you got to clean yourself up first. As soon as you get this in order, as soon as you kind of get responsible about life, as soon as you, as you do this or you do that, well, then you can go to church, and then you can come to God, and then you can pray, and then you can read the word. That is the biggest deception from the pit of hell, because there is no life apart from the word. And there is no life apart from the Spirit of God. But if you yield to him and you come to him just the way you are, that's, you know, Romans, I Bible quiz on Romans and James and Acts, right? So Romans, for while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He died for the ungodly. And the way I take that, like Pastor Tim's paraphrase, is while I was doing the worst sins is when he showed his greatest love for me. When I was messing up, so the lie of the devil is when you're messing up or you're conscious of mess ups that you have made, the blood of Jesus, by the way, even cleanses your conscience from a guilty conscience. So actually the blood of Jesus even removes the stain of sin. Like you might have had like spaghetti spilled on your outfit and you cleaned it off and you washed it and it's clean, but you still got this little stain. And maybe, maybe it's so dim that nobody, I hope I don't have stain now. <laughs> maybe it's so dim that nobody else can see it but you, but you know it's there. Do you know the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from a guilty conscience? Thank God for the blood of Jesus. But you have been reconciled to God in every point and in every detail. As minute as God himself could reconcile you all the way to the core foundation. In fact, he said, you know what? Man is in such a condition. I'm just going to get rid of the old man and put a new man in him. And this time, I'm going to join him to my spirit so that the two become one spirit. So that now you don't try to live your life in your own, well, you may still try it. Now you don't have to live your life under your own ability, but now I have infused them with myself. 
If any man be uh, in Christ or be engrafted into Christ, when you are grafted in, the life that's in the vine flows to the branches. And we are the branches that have been engrafted in. And you cannot graft something without first there be a wounding. And so there was the wound of Jesus Christ. And in that wound, and we had wounds, and then he took and he put us in his wound. And then his very life and his very nature and his very freedom and his very truth could flow in us and flow through us. Therefore, if any man be engrafted into Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Look, behold, all things have become brand new. He's reconciled us unto himself. Let's go to Galatians 2.20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been reconciled to God. I don't know, but that just blesses my socks off. <laughs> that I have been reconciled. Maybe it's because I do all these details, and I think detail, and I'm like, wow, every single little detail. Like, there's nothing that I could come up with that he hasn't already reconciled me uh, from and reconciled me unto himself. It's like he was tempted like in all points as we are, yet without sin. Now, how many people could say that about yourself? Don't raise your hand. He was subject to like passions as we are. In other words, the same desires, the same inclination, the same pull that things of the world or things of the flesh or you know, things you just have no business doing, that same pull, he was subject to those same things, yet without sin. What does that mean? You're supposed to be like, oh, Jesus, you're amazing, I'm horrible. <laughs> no. He's acquainted with man's weaknesses. Acquainted with our sorrows, acquainted with our pains, acquainted, even in there in Isaiah, when he's talking about it, it's actually talking about sickness and disease. He's acquainted with every point of weakness that this human flesh would try to bring upon us and dominate us with, and the devil himself would use uh, the weakness of human flesh to try to dominate mankind. But he is without sin. Why? so that he could become sin by not having committed sin, that he could purely and in a holy way dominate and annihilate the power of sin over all of mankind. The perfect, spotless, sinless sacrifice. In other words, you know, he, he, he went through all of that. He's, the Bible says that he is touched with the feelings of our inability to, inabilities to produce results. That's what infirmities means. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, like, <laughs> you know, if you're trying to do something like real heavy and you want to lift something up and you're just like, okay, if I could just give it a little more, give it a little more, like, give it all you got. So you're like, Whoa! And it still doesn't move. <laughs> Cannot quite. Like you have an infirmity. Right? Like I can't quite do it. I've done everything I could do. I, I cannot quite do it. But he is touched with the feeling of your infirmities. Your inability to produce the results. Your inability to do it. He, he knows what that is like. 
He knows what it's like to have given it all that you can and yet you still failed. The feeling of it. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And so I was meditating on that this week and I thought, man, you're good. Because it's not only did he overcome all of this stuff for us and set us free, he didn't have to be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. I mean, in reality, he probably maybe did because I don't understand all that. But you understand, like, he's not a far-off God. He wanted to know what you're going through so that he could be a faithful high priest when you're going through it. That's what the word tells us. So that even, not, not the pain itself, but even the feeling of the pain, he could comfort you in it, the word of God says. Remember my whole thing with comforters? Right now you're, it's cold, so you like to have lots of comforters. He sent the Holy Spirit to comfort us. That is to infuse us with boldness and with life. That we don't turn away from the storm, away from the problem, but we turn and face it head on. It's the Holy Spirit is the invigorating power and the standing power that comes from God in any situation that would come against us. So Jesus sent us his comfort, his, now I can stand, bring it on. That's why he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities, that he might be able to comfort us, that he might be able in the very face of our infirmities, our inability to produce results or do what we need to do, our inabilities, that he might be enabled to fill us with himself. Ephesians chapter three. That we might be conscious that we are filled with God himself in all points. Whew. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, unto favor with himself. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. This is our identification with Christ. You go to the airport, you gotta pull out, like now by 2020 or something, everybody has to have a new license, a new type of license. Every state, our state, or my state, Virginia, was a little ahead of the game, I guess. And so you go, you have to either show uh, something like this or you have to show a passport, you have to show, so, show some identification that you are who you say you are. Well, what kind of identification do you show when the problems come? In other words, if you're a police officer, and you're off duty, and you get put over for, pulled over for a ticket, you may choose to show your identification along with your badge <laughs> in hopes for favor. <laughs> Why? You want to be identified, I'm one of you. Why? So you have more favor. You, you don't want a ticket, right? You don't want a ticket. So, when it comes to 
you know what? God's not going to listen to you because you messed up and you don't, you don't spend time uh, with him. What's your identification? If you're coming based on what you have done, you can't get in there. That is a no access badge. Like that is where I used to work, that is a red badge. You know what happens when red badges come into a secure area? Well, if they know they're coming, they'll turn, flip a little switch and this red police light will start flashing all around. So everybody knows someone that's not authorized to know stuff is in the area. And then if there's no lights, when you're walking through, they'll say, red badge, red badge, red badge. People start yelling out. Why? Because you're not supposed to have access to the class. You're not going to. So if you're not coming, you're not going to get access if you're not coming by the blood of Jesus. You can walk up to the White House all you want and say, you know what, I love my country. I even love the president. I even love the president's wife. They're not going to let you in there. In fact, they may have you checked out. But if you come with the right access badge, and your name is written in the book, you're going to get access. Well, we come with the access badge of the blood of Jesus, and our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And so we have access to God himself. And you don't even have to make an appointment. If any man, or I am crucified with Christ. This is our identification with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We'll have to probably just finish here with me reading this in a few translations. Noli says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now it is not my old self, but Christ himself who lives in me. I died, with, I died when Christ died on a cross. I do not live now, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ, and I live now, but not with my own life, but with the life of Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live in faith, faith in the Son of God who loved me and who sacrificed himself for my sake. Barclay says, I have been crucified with Christ. My own life is dead. It is Christ who lives in me. True, my physical life goes on, but its mainspring is faith in the Son of God. True, my physical life goes on, but its mainspring is faith in God's Son or in the Son of God. What does that mean? Why are you so happy all the time? Why aren't you going to cheat and do that? Oh, come on, everybody's doing it. Nobody will ever know. My physical life goes on, but its mainspring is faith in the Son of God. How can you handle that? 
You know how you handle that situation? That's so full of stress, so full of problems, so full of mistakes, so full of failures, casting all your cares on him for he cares for you, about you watchfully and for you affectionately. Somebody said, well, yeah, but I know you've got a lot of problems. Say, I don't have any problems. Oh, no, I know you have problems. I know your family. <laughs> I gave them to the Lord. So I don't have the problems. My mainspring of life is from Jesus Christ himself, faith in him. I love what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two: Lay hold on the faith of God. Lay hold on God's faith. The truth is you can approach situations in life and you can try to use natural human faith or you can use the very, if you're born again, you can use the very faith of God himself. and get the results that that kind of faith offer you. Lao translation, Christ took me to the cross with him and I died there with him. Do you understand, like we're talking about faith in God is a complete release of self-will and the things of the world. Doesn't that sound just like that? He took me to the cross and I died there with him. You got part of Christianity that just goes to the cross and stays at the cross, and you got another part of Christianity that goes to the resurrection and forgets about the cross. The problem is, you cannot have a resurrection until there's first a death. But don't stay at the grave, because then everything you believe about Christianity is vain, Paul said. Our preaching's vain, our life is vain, if Christ be not raised from the dead, but he is raised from the dead. And so, you know, uh, like Dad Hagen taught us, go down the middle of the road. Like, don't get in the ditch on this side or this side. The resurrection is the power of God, but the cross is the love of God. And so you got to go by way of the cross. In other words, you have to give up your selfishness. You have to give up your self-accomplishing. You have to give up what you want and give your whole life up for Jesus Christ. And then if you give up your whole life for him, he'll give his whole life to you. And then if you live like that's true, you'll experience abundance of it. Way translation says, yes, I have shared Messiah's crucifixion. I am living indeed, but it is not I that live. It is Messiah whose life is in me. I mean, when you're faced with challenges and situations and where you just really especially maybe it's just from your flesh or something, you just really want to like, no, I can't do this and I'm not going to do this. No, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this life that I'm living in the flesh, I'm not doing it by faith in myself. I'm not doing it by my own ability. I'm not do doing it by what my parents did for me, by what my parents are going to do for me. I'm not doing it by what my boss is providing for me. I live by faith in the Son of God. I am made alive by faith in the Son of God. I annihilate the power of the world by faith in the Son of God. I live above the world by faith in the Son of God. What is faith? Faith is grabbing hold of what God offers and releasing what you can do and what you have to offer and saying, you know what? No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
I'm not looking back anymore. I'm not looking at the past. I'm not talking about the past. I'm not going to the past. I'm going forward. Pressing on to the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Where? In Christ Jesus. In your connection with Christ. In your union with Christ. If any man be joined to Christ, be united to Christ, be engrafted into Christ, that's where you're going to find the new creation life. When you're born again, you're actually recreated in Christ Jesus, whether you realize it or not. But if you live like the old creature that you were, you're going to experience what the old creature can offer you. What the flesh can offer you. But if you get a glimpse even just a glimpse of who you are in Christ, that in Christ you no longer live, but now Christ lives in you. What if you said that every day this week? At breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I think we should all say that this week. Declare it this week. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is so packed full of life. Glory to God. How do you do this? How could you possibly do this? Who loved me and gave himself for me. If I think about the fact how much he loved me, that he gave his life for me, man, it's easy to say it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. Because he loved me so much. Because he gave himself for me. When you realize how much you have been given, it's the easiest thing in the world to give back. You did that for me? What did you do for me? You gave up your whole life for me? You went to the worst condition of mankind for me? Right there in that verse, I am crucified with Christ. I went to the cross with Christ. My old self is gone. So I'm saying, when your old self seems like it's wanting a resurrection, you declare that. No, I went to the cross with Christ. My old self is gone. Christ now lives in me. The life that I'm living now, I'm living by faith in the Son of God or by the faith of God's Son who loved me and gave himself for me. You're not valuable. Oh, he loved me and he gave himself for me. God is not a man that he should lie. He doesn't make bad investments. <laughs> he knew what he was getting into. More than you or I, at least in this life, will ever comprehend. He set us free. And that freedom is in Christ. Sometimes, sometimes religion wants to put off all of the blessings of God to heaven. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's funny. The Lord will bless you as much as you will let him, and the devil will curse you as much as you will let him. Mm-hmm. 
so some place where the devil has got a lot of religion is, well, okay, God loves mankind, all right, I'll give you that. And in heaven, you'll have everything wonderful. But he wants you to be sick to teach you something. He wants you to be poor. He wants you this. In other words, whatever you'll believe of his lies, then he'll dominate you with those things. But God has set us free, and he wants us in this life to experience the very life, his very life, and his health, his healing. But the devil wants to put it off, uh, you know, well, okay, once you get to heaven, everything will be fine. Once you get over in glory land, okay, I'll give you that, everything will be fine. But don't you think for a minute you can have anything now. Why? You're a God kind. You've been made in the likeness and the image of God himself, and you have been made a minister by God to go and to declare to the world, God is not mad at you. He loves you. I don't care what you have done. And the greatest detail possible in existence in the universe or anywhere else, God has made you right with himself through his son, Jesus Christ. He just wants you to receive that. That rightness and that fullness. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. In other words, what I'm just talking about, the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The life that I live in the earth, in the realm of time, I'm living by the faith of the Son of God. This is a great deal. He doesn't even say like you have to like create your own faith. You live by the faith of the Son of God. It's been given to every man the measure of faith. We gotta develop it. We gotta learn to use it, learn to live in it. That's like called learning to live in Christ. In Christ, you have the very faith of God himself. I live by the faith of the Son of God. In other words, you could almost say, I have full abundant life on the earth by the faith of the Son of God. Should I say that again? You could almost say, I have full, abundant, complete, overarching life by the faith of the Son of God here in the earth in the realm of time. Lay hold on the faith of God and the faithfulness of God. Translation says actually both. Faithfulness and the faith of God. I love that it's both. I love that there's both in there. 
Because not only do I grab hold of God's faith itself, but it talks to me about the faithfulness of God, the constancy of God, that every time you turn around, I don't care, in the most minute detail, the most minute mistake, the most minute step forward, there is the faith of God. God is right there. God is a faithful God. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He'll never forget about you. He'll never you know, have a schedule that's too busy that he can't address what you're going through because you know what? He was already touched and he already felt what it's like to go through what you're going through. It says so that he can succor those. In other words, he can comfort those in the time of trouble and in the time of need. Let's stand. You come to the throne of grace. Why? That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You don't need mercy if you didn't mess up. And you know what? I don't even have to have a word of knowledge to say that everyone in this room has messed up at some point in their life. Brother Hagin said, you, you be a minister for so long, you just stumble over a few things. So I don't even have to have revelation from the Lord to know that you have messed up in your life. But the reason I can say that is I have the word, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never entered into the family of God, if you've never been made right with God, receive the reconciliation that Christ himself has already accomplished and that he has offered. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. I want you to be living in the kingdom of God and experiencing the nature of God that's full of love and full of life and full of purpose and full of hope and full of help and full of healing and full of blessing, the glory of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you have known the Lord Jesus Christ and you let other things come in and uh, press him out and you got distracted and a lot of other things came along and you'd like to come back to the Lord, just slip up your hand. I'd love to pray with you and love to pray for you. There is life in Christ and there is freedom in Christ. If you're here this morning, you've never been filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, there is an experience after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And um, man, you take the things of God and the things of the Word, and you let the Spirit of God light them up to you. And this changes everything. If you're here this morning, you've never been filled with the Spirit, but you'd like to be, slip up your hand. I'd love to pray with you and for you. watching online you'd like to accept Christ as your Savior you'd like to be filled with the Spirit I encourage you to email us at info at anchordc.org we'd be happy to pray with you and for you get some good materials into your hand the enemy God loves you and he has a plan for your life don't believe the lie of the enemy there's not a better time to is the day of salvation hear the voice of the Lord and respond everyone to pray this with me even if you are born again heavenly father i come to you in the name of jesus i believe that christ your son died on the cross paid for my sins 
to give me new life. I take him as my Lord and as my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself anymore, but I'm going to live for Jesus every single day. I thank you, Father, that I am now born again, that I am your child, and you are my Father. In Jesus' name, amen.